Well, this is going to be uh, chapter 3, the last uh, chapter in uh, the book of Second uh, Thessalonians. You know, we kind of did the f- uh, first book, finishing up this second one. And we're going to see tonight that some things that uh, Paul bring back up again because it must have been a problem within the church, you know. Earlier he had addressed, uh, you know, the, the, a couple people, you know, had stopped working and stopped uh, doing the things that they needed to do because they was kind of confused about Jesus' return. And, and someone had been telling them, hey, he's coming back, he's coming back soon. And as a result of that, they figured, like, hey, we'll just stop doing whatever we're doing and just wait on him to come back. And we kind of established that God never intended us for us to be, a, you know, date watchers, you know, waiting on him to come back. He expects us to continue to serve him and just be ready because he tells us, we learned last week, that nobody got that time. He, the, the father didn't even give it to him, so therefore he could not give it to his disciples. So with that said, he kind of started off this, uh, this last uh, chapter uh, with a request for prayer, and, uh, and then he ends the chapter with an exhortation to them for proper living, and, and we kind of frame this discussion tonight around that, that, that admonishment that he gave them for proper living to uh, kind of title this like diligent living. And uh, we're going to see here, you know, uh, it must have been some folks in the church that was a little slack major. They just, just you know, <laughs> one of these phrases in here, you're going to see that I don't know if, uh, if it came from the Bible, but someone must have brought a thought out of one of these verses here. And when we say it tonight, you're going to say, oh, that's where that came from. You probably heard grandmama say certain things and granddaddy said some things in the old days. And we're going to see that they kind of rephrase some things out of the Bible and put them in their own words, but it makes sense. Amen? So tonight he says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask that you to pray for us. Again, it's a team effort. So, you know, you, you never go wrong when you ask somebody to pray for you. I mean, I don't care where you're at in your life. It's always good to, to have someone praying for you. It's good to pray for others, too, as well as to pray for yourself. But there's a, there's a benefit to know that someone is praying for you. But at the same time, he asked them to pray. And you know, it's a lot of time, you know, people get caught up and don't feel like, well, man, I don't want anybody to know, so I'm not going to ask someone to pray for me. But prayer is a tool and a weapon that God has given us as the church and as believers that need to be used. I mean, you're going to find out when you read through the Bible, you know, prayer is, is, is always invoked in a lot of situations, and, 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 and it's in there because that's our way to communicate with God. I mean, and so he admonished us to pray always and to pray without ceasing. That don't mean we never, uh, that we, we never stop praying physically. But when they say pray without ceasing, he's telling you if you don't have a mindset to pray, you won't. But if you've got a mindset to pray, then any situation that come up, you'll find something to pray. You'll pray about it. And, and so what we have to do, we've got to get in a mindset that it's nothing wrong. And prayers should not be judged based on how long they are or how eloquent they sound. You know, Nehemiah, when he went before the king, he, he didn't say very much at all. You know, he just wanted the, the king to hear him. That's God let him hear him. And his prayer was short, sweet, and to the point. So sometimes people can be impressed by long prayers, but if they're just repetition that has no significance, then it don't mean nothing to God. One of the things that we ought to learn how to do, learn enough about God's word 
to pray at least some of his word back to him. Sometimes when you want to call, to, you don't have to call to his remembrance, but you ought to be able to say, hey, God, you said this. You promised this. And as a result of that, then now he will honor his word. And so I encourage everybody to, you know, have some sort of a prayer life. I don't know whether you start off five minutes in the morning when you get up or sometime during the day a little prayer on your job, but you need a prayer life. And so here he understood this because he says, he asked them, we asked him, ask you to pray for us. And then he tell them for, for what? Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes. Just as it was, or just, just as when it came to you. Now get this. He says that we want this word that has been taught to you and that we continue to teach to spread rapidly. Now in order for that to happen, y'all got to do something. Y'all need to say amen. Amen. In order for the word to spread rapidly, those who know the word got to share the word. And, 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 and that's the ministry that he's given to all of us. All of us have a ministry of reconciliation, but we can share with others how good God has been to us and what he's done in our lives. And as a result of that, that becomes our testimony. Nobody can give your testimony like you. But sometimes we think that when it comes to God's word being spread, we look at it as people that have titles and been ordained and all of that. No, a lot of the people that got the gospel spread it was just ordinary people who got scattered. And as they got scattered, they started talking about what they had learned. And so that's what God is expecting of us. He, we want to be praying that this word spread rapidly. Because we know lies spread rapidly, so why can't the truth spread rapidly? Amen. I mean, you know, every, you know, now we're living in a time, man, where you got to fact check everything you see. Used to be a time you could just read the newspaper and just believe that it was true. But now, you just don't know. And so what we got to do as believers, we pray that the word is spread rapidly, but then we want it to be honored wherever it goes. Now, when the Bible tells us that God's word needs to be honored, that means that Whoever hear this word, we're praying that they will honor it by respecting it and doing what it says. See, it's one thing for me to just pray that y'all come to Bible study and, and, and say, we, you know, we spent an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, you know, with the Lord. But it's another thing when y'all leave here and do something with it. I mean, the, the end game is not to come to, come to class and, and not... Remember how to do the equation. I mean, if you don't sit in the class and the God gave you the algebraic equation or whatever that is, then you ought to at least know how to do it, right? So, so it's no different. When we come and study God's word, God has an expectation. Now, we have to get in a habit of living this word, but he expects it. And so therefore, once we study the word and once the word gets in our heart, then it becomes part of our lives. And then we will be honoring the word. So, so whenever you go to church, I don't care where you go to church at, whenever God's word is being preached or taught, you ought to feel like that, hey, man, that's going to be one thing in here that I can get that I can honor God with. I believe if you go to church, there's going to be something where the spirit will speak to you in some way that you can respect that word enough to say, hey, this is something that I believe that is 
applicable to my life. Do that. So this is what he prayed now. He said that to spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as, it, just as when it came to you. Now then he come back and say, pray something else. Pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people. For not everyone is a believer. Well, that's true today. You know, wicked and evil people still around. They didn't go nowhere. And so therefore, that don't mean we don't try to share the gospel with people that may not be living right. We were all wicked and evil one time. Some of us just wicked, more wicked than others, but we, none of us were born good. You know, we all had a little sin in us. And, you know, a lot of things that, you know, we were born in us, within us, nobody had to teach us some of it. You know, from a little age, you just knew how to mess with stuff that wasn't yours. Nobody to teach you that. Little age, you just wanted to play with a plug, stick your finger in it. Sandbox, you just decided you're going to throw some dirt. Nobody teach you that. That was just in you. And so what we got to understand is that because certain things is in us, when we get saved, then something starts to change in us. And as a result of that change, then now we become that new creation that we talked about on Sunday. But now as we go and talk about our change, there are going to be some people that don't care. Now, that shouldn't cause you to be alarmed because some people walked away from Jesus. And so if someone walked away from Jesus, they'll walk away from you. But what happens is sometimes we get rejected because we think, man, I, I just gave my best testimony and, and that brother didn't budge. Next, you go to the next person because you may only be watering that seed. And it may be someone else that come along and get the increase. And, 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 but we got to always be willing to do what God has called us to do. So he says now, pray for us that we be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. He says, now look, but the Lord is faithful. Now that's a word of encouragement right there, because whatever you're going through, you got to believe that the Lord is he can keep his promises. He knows the purpose that he got for your life. And you got to believe that God is faithful. And because he is faithful, Major, he says he will strengthen. Now that word strengthen there, meaning that, you know, he can make you stronger, make you, enable you to do some things that you didn't think you could do. That's why, you know, we have to get strong in our faith because a lot of times, God used simple people to confound the wise. He Sometimes all he needs is a willing vessel, someone that's willing to go and, and believe that if we make ourselves available to God, then God would give us what we need. He could inspire us with things we'd even think we had, but we can't, won't know if we don't have the faith to step out and do some things. And so what he says here, now look, God can strengthen you and guard you. Now, God there talks about he's able to protect you from the evil one. Now, let, now, that brings up a question. If that is true, that God is faithful and he will strengthen you because he knows you're going through, 
been through, in the middle of it. He can strengthen you. And he can protect you from the evil one. Now, if he can protect you from the evil one, then why is it that so many Christians seem like they get beat down by the evil one? I mean, sometimes when I listen to people who say they know the Lord and listen to their testimony, you would think they ain't got no protection. They sound like the enemy done penetrated the defense system. Or they don't know what the Bible say about them, and therefore they have allowed their mind to make them believe that the enemy can get through God's defense. Now what you got to understand is that he can attack you. I'm not talking about him being attacking you, but man, he ain't supposed to get in you. Brother Fred? Well, well, a lot of times we're not, we're not feeding our spirit with the word of God. That's what gives us the strength. So when we do get attacked, you know, all we got to do is recall the word that's on the inside of us that we have studied, and the enemy will flee. But if we don't have anything to, 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 to remind yourself of, then, of course, you're going to get beat down. Amen. And, Brother Major, go ahead. And then sometimes, Pastor, I think when, when things attack us, we try and uh, instead of praying about things and seeking God, so we try to operate in our own strength and, and we'll never get it done that way. Amen. Amen. Any other comments? Okay. So, so now in Matthew, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, part of that prayer said, lead us this day not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In chapter 17 of John, when he, said, he prayed, he says, I don't pray that God take you out of the world, but I pray that he would keep you from the evil one while you're in the world. So now, if he done prayed that, and he has taught us to pray that, then I submit to you that most Christians that are getting beat up by the evil one, they just ignorant. They don't know. They just don't you can't know that. See, you can't know that and believe that every spirit out there is supposed to beat you. You don't have to be super spiritual to figure that out. If any of you got kids and you tell your kids you're going to protect them, I don't believe you'll stand there and let the bully beat them just to prove a point. I think at least you'll pull the bully off of them a little bit. I mean, when you do that, I mean, just think about it in the natural. Now, if you being in the natural would do that for your child, why wouldn't God do the same thing for you? But if you don't have a mindset that he can do it, then you'll be taking some beating that you don't deserve. We got to stop listening to people who got poor mouth testimonies. And been a rough, been a rough week. I just barely made it through. What? <laughs> Man, we don't want to hear that. Rough week. My lights got cut off. I don't know what I'm going to do. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's sinners out there who got lights. And now you're going to come and give a testimony about your getting cut off? 
what happened? Something went wrong somewhere. Because the electric company didn't just pick you out. Something happened. So sometimes we, we hear people say things like that, and they don't understand that, hey, man, God has said he will protect us, provide for us, defend us. And so therefore, I'm not a subscriber to demons behind every door. I believe that there are demonic spirits everywhere. But I don't believe I'm walking around every time I walk in a room, I'm thinking I got to, you know. Man, if he in here, the greater one is in me. Now, I don't downplay demonic spirits. I believe some people can be possessed. But I submit to you that if they are possessed by something, they don't have something. The Bible says the Spirit of God can't live in an unclean temple. So if your temple has the demon in it, there's a good possibility that the Holy Spirit ain't there. And so we got to understand that when God makes us these promises, we got to act in confidence that God is able to do what he said he can do. If he said he can protect you from the evil one, you got to believe that. You got to walk like he can protect you from the evil one. And sometimes your victory is all in your attitude. <laughs> I'm telling you. Your attitude. And so therefore, when we take on that spirit and that mindset that, man, the greater one lives in me and God got me, then yes, I'm going to have challenges in life. We all going to have challenges. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So it don't make no difference whether you're saved or unsaved. You're going to have a storm to come in your life. But when it comes, your reaction to the storm is supposed to be different from everybody else's reaction to the storm. Sister Thelma, you got a mic back there? You know, Pastor, I thank God for that. And you know, when I say what I'm saying to a lot of people that think I'm crazy, but, you know, I had a fear of flying before I started flying. And so my, this person used to walk and say, well, God don't give us the spirit of fear. But, no, you telling me what you're saying, but I have to believe it for myself and my heart, mind, and my spirit. I couldn't run from every plane that I seen because, just like you said, I got to believe it and I got to trust God for what he's told me. And when I prayed about it and God said, he would protect me. Hey, I had to jump on that. I couldn't run every time I saw a plane. If I, with me being a Christian, if I didn't believe what God telling me, I could stay at home. If I didn't believe what God said in the Bible when I read it and I get the spirit of revelation from the words I read, I could stay at home because I'm wasting my time if I don't believe what God telling me. Amen. But I got it in my heart, mind, and my spirit. I have no problem with flying. I'd rather fly than drive. Amen. 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 You know, I, 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 I don't been there. The military taught me to fly. Because when I was a little boy, I sure didn't want to get on no plane. But, but once I got on one, man, I didn't know I could fly on a plane for 16 hours, man. <laughs> this <should just> be. <laughs> boy, you know, you just get used to it. You defeat. Brother Herb, I'm pretty sure you don't flew longer than that. You was, that's what you did in the military. 
but, but, but what we got to understand is that we got to have some confidence in what God is telling us from his word. We got we to gotta believe it. We got to stand on it. And the only way you can do that is every now and then your faith has to be tested. Certain things come in your life not to destroy you, but to make you stronger. And so if, if you never test it, if your faith is never tested, then you don't even know if you got it. But then when the test comes, that's what you have to stand on is the truth of God's word and not what the situation looked like. You trust God in all things. He says, now God can protect him from the evil one. And look what he said before. We are confident in the Lord that you are, that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command you. So he said, hey, he's kind of, you know, giving him a, a pat on the back. So we, we confident that from the first letter that I sent you and the time that I was with you all, you're trying your best to do what you were commanded to do. But even in the midst of that, there could always be somebody in there that's not trying. And so sometimes it's the folks that's not trying that cause the most problem. They just kind of sometimes drown out the trying. And so he said, now look, we are confident in the Lord that, you're, that, that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. Then he says, may the Lord lead your hearts into full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that come from Christ. He said, now look, I want God to direct your heart and so that you can get a full understanding of how, how great, how magnified, how magnificent his love is. He said, sometimes I don't think believers understand just how much God loves them. And so he said, y'all need to get a good understanding how much God's, God loves you. What he did for you in spite of you. When you can get a full understanding of how much you're loved by God, you won't let how other people love you cause you to feel less than who you are. You won't be looking for something from someone else when you say, hey, I know if nobody else loved me, God loves me. And his love is a, yes, I want a people to pat me on the back and want to love me. But look here, he said, look, if that don't happen, you got to understand how deep God's love is for you. Because when you can understand the level of his love for you, then you won't have a problem at least giving him a little bit of it back because he first loves you. And he says now when it comes to patient endurance, he don't use God, he use Jesus. Because he's saying now you know you, they're just talking about you and you whining and crying like you know you don't even know the Lord. See, anytime somebody talk about you and they don't put you out on your socials and they don't put you on blast or whatever they do now, they don't tag you, label you, you know, they'll put you out there. Bam! He said, man, anytime now, your feelings get hurt because somebody talk about you. Think about Jesus. Think about his suffering and how patiently he went through what he had to go through on that cross. And if you think about that, you won't even be bothered by some posts 
that's out there on Facebook. Man, I see Christians get just unglued because somebody done put a post. And I, I would have a little bit of a problem, Major. You getting mad, but the post true. You, you may be getting what you deserve, because the Bible does talk about that. And if they're lying on you, then you definitely hate. You know the truth. And so what I'm trying to say, he said, now look, sometimes when you're going through, don't look at your circumstance situation, just look at what Jesus went through. Take your focus off of you and consider his patience, how, how he endured the cross and the things that he went through the endurance that comes from him. Now, after he get past that, it gets a little dicey here. We're going to talk about some systems in here in a minute. I just want to kind of answer the question. He says, now look, verse 6, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away. Somebody say, stay away. From all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition, I mean the teaching, the instruction that they was given, that they have received from us. He said, now, stay up. He didn't, Major, he didn't say stay away from the world. He said, there's some folks in the church you need to stay away from if they fall in this category. Oh. All believers who live idle. What's an idle life? What is idle? What that word idle mean? I ain't talking like an idle image or something. Idle. You know, idle. Yeah. No purpose. No effect on that. Just idle. Pointless. He said, now look, you know, if you at work, don't even use the church. If you got a person you working with, and they ain't never doing that, you need to stay away from them. Because there's a good possibility people may think you ain't never. So he said this even to the church. If they're idle. Now he had told them earlier, if they're idle, you know, he admonished them to go back to work. But now he come back and address that again, so apparently some people didn't listen to him. Feeling what you're saying over there? They got more lead. <laughs> so, so he said, now look, stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the traditions that they receive from us. In other words, that would be like saying, we read the Bible, and the Bible is our handbook, instruction manual. So in a broad way, we can say, We'll call it our tradition. You come to church, you get taught the things in the Bible, and he says now if a person getting taught that and then they ain't doing nothing in there and they're idle at the same time, then you need to stay away from them, even if they're brothers. Now, later on, he's going to soften up a little bit, but right here, he's kind of hard on them because the intent is not to, to make them never want to be around you again. Sometimes it's to get their attention. Because he had said something similar to that when in Corinthians, 
Uh, I think, let me see. I got it here. When he told him to stay away from some folk, he says now in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that was some crazy, you know, idle people doing some crazy stuff in the church. And he says now, look, when I wrote you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or greedy or, or, or who cheat people or worship idols. You don't have to leave, the, you will have to leave this world to avoid people like that because they're everywhere. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or a cheat. Don't even eat with such a person. He's just trying to say, don't have real close fellowship with him. You know, because later on, he, you know, in the second chapter, second uh, book of Corinthians, they, he told them to receive the brother back. Because they was having a good time praising and dancing and shouting in church, but then one of the church members was sleeping with his dad's wife. And they just was shouting. And wasn't doing nothing. And he said, I, I, I'm not. He said, now look, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But it is certainly your responsibility to judge those who are inside the church and are sinning. God would judge those who are outside, but as the scriptures say, now judgment here is not talking about, because sometimes when we hear the word judge, we think about damnation. He ain't talking about that. He's not talking about passing judgment on someone, say they're going to hell and all that. That's what no. He just said, that judgment has to talk about, you have a responsibility, we have a responsibility to correct one another. If someone is not living in accord with the standards, then we got to do our best to try to correct one another. Amen. And so that's what he was telling them there. And so here he kind of get back into that same mindset a little bit. He says, now look, and I'm back in, in, in uh, ooh, Thessalonians now. He said, now look, for you know that you ought to imitate us. Him and his team. We were not idle when we were with you. In other words, he's saying, look, when we was there, we were a good example for you. And sometimes it's easy to learn from a good example. But man, sometimes we got to grow up and become the example. Amen. At some point in time in your relationship with the Lord, as you grow, you ought to be able to tell someone to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not in every aspect of your life, maybe because we're still working on stuff, but man, there ought to be some things that God has brought us through and brought us to a point where someone can see our lives and, and, and pattern themselves. That's what the Bible says, you know, pattern ourselves after someone who's trying to live for the Lord. And if, you, if someone can pattern themselves after you, that means you will be reproducing after your own kind. All of us should want to, and, and guess what? This is the reality you got to get. You're an example whether you want to be one or not. Because somebody is always watching you. Amen. Amen. And so therefore, 
that being the case and knowing that, we ought to at least try to put forth a good example for those to, to follow. Amen. And, and especially those, you know, if you, any of you in here young, got, got young kids, man, it's, it's, it's to the utmost importance that, man, you try to live right in front of your kids. I, I mean, I was raised up under the do as I say and not as I do rule. And, and I remember how I thought about that when I used to hear folks tell me that. You, here they are, they doing it. Man, the very thing they told me not to do, they over there doing. Don't you put your hand in the pot. And then you turn around, they go over there, eating out the pot, you know, and putting the spoon back in there. I'm saying, you just told us not to do that. And, and as a little kid, you remember that. And then now when that person comes to you and try to correct you, as you get older, you say, man, they're telling me to do something that they don't even do. And so what we got to understand is that, <laughs> sad to say, you know, those of you in the military supervising your job, you know, them little youngins, they're watching you. They know. Brother Herb, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is one of the uh, tough assignments um, once you have, uh, when, as Paul was talking to the Thessalonian, and, and one of the things that is real tough is I know there is a difference between this says, you know, we under grace and there is a commandment. <laughs> and one of the commandments, Jesus some, uh, uh, summarized, and one of the things he said, love the God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and some people would say, you strength your body. Mm -hmm. That is a continuously thing. If you want to have a relationship with God, intimate relationship, you have to get him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That is a continuously in God. You, you, so you won't idle. When you idle, that means he's really not in your heart, your belief in your heart. So you don't love the Lord, so you end up idling and don't be in him. And when you be in him, then there will give uh, a supplement to a point where you get these, these things where you will find false, false teachers comes and you easy to fall back on if you not in the Lord continuously an uh, intimate relationship. And that's what we need to be. That is work. That is, that is a commandment that it is given unto us as, as believers. Amen. And not only is that, is that he gave us a book for all the, that reveal who God is really is. 
Every, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen. And God giving us and letting him know, letting everybody know who he is. So when you think you have an issue, it's in the word. Other people had issues too. And they was able to overcome. And when you read the word, when you're in the word, you will see that, hey, they're going the same problem I went through. Unbelief, trust, and faith. And when you have faith and trust on that, you can stand and be overcomer. Amen. And that's what Paul was saying. Amen. How can you sit back and idle and fall back when you have what I gave to you? And that's why we're here today. Amen. My brothers and sisters supposed to encourage me. Amen. Hello? And that's where you at. Amen. You encourage us every point in time <laughs> in what you're doing right now. Hallelujah. Don't want, don't want you to be an idle car sitting there burning gas and ain't going nowhere. Huh? That's it. But, but look at this. Now, this thing, you know, Paul, you know, he, man, I thought he was a little rough right here. I really did. I said, man, that don't sound, you know, what, Herb, you just got talk, through talking about the love. I said, man, where's the love? But maybe this is that tough love that, you know, that I hear people talk about. Because in verse 8, he says, now, after he told them to imitate him, you know, because they were not idols when we were with you. He said, now, look, we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden on any of you. In other words, as an apostle, he could have required them to take care of him while he was amongst them. But obviously, this church may not have been as, as financially strong as some of the other churches that supported him because there were ministries that supported him, like the uh, uh, other churches sent him uh, gifts while he was ministering to some other, other church. The Philippians did that. And so it wasn't that he never took anything, but here because he wanted to be an example, he didn't take it with this church. And because he didn't take it with this church, he could use that as a, as a, as a, a tool when he's trying to teach them this, this point. He said, now you know, we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard. Now, Finley, a couple years ago, I said, the young generation told me that they don't like that hard work thing no more. They say it's, you work smart now. So what's the difference between smart working and hard working? Is hard working obsolete? You don't have to work hard? Or what, what, how do we classify? See, when, when my granddad and them said, they, they weren't highly educated. So my granddad said hard work, I could, I could relate to that. I mean, he was going to the field. He was going to have a hoe in his hand. I mean, he was going to the railroad. He was going to work all day, six days a week. I could see, I could see hard work. He, he never had opportunity to go in the air conditioning office. So, so when he say work hard, is that a taboo today? Is it, would I offend somebody saying, man, you just got to work hard? Or is it, is grinding the same as working hard? Yes, grinding is the same as working hard. Okay, all right. Then. <laughs> okay, I just got to update my vocabulary a little bit. Yeah, you said it right this past Sunday. Yeah, you <laughs> said it right. <laughs> so, 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 so it's not a turnoff when someone's, man, you just got to, ain't nothing wrong with hard work. Now, I know everybody's not meant to do hard labor. I'm talking about laborers, you know, type work, because everybody ain't meant to go work in the field or be a mechanic and all that if it's hard work. But whatever you do, do it diligently. That's all he's saying. Man, be diligent about what you're doing. Brother May? Yeah, I think, I think we so often associate uh, hard work with 
manual labor. And I think now, uh, whatever work that you're required to do is hard work. I mean, that's your work. And if you do what you're required to do, then you're working hard. Not necessarily associated with busting rocks with a sledgehammer, but just your work, your required work to do, you do that and you're working hard or considered to be working hard. And so he said, look here, Major, he even put in overtime. He worked hard day and night, teaching them and going out, and we know his profession, he was a tent maker. And so he said, when I was here, so that I wouldn't be a burden on anybody, I worked hard with my own hands, got off work, and then came and worked to teach you at night. Man. So now with that as an example, then that gives him a little street cred. He got the credibility to call out the lazy guy. Yes, because he wasn't I mean, he, he got some street cred. He can call out because he said, look, it ain't like I'm challenging him on something I don't do. Man, I ain't take your money. And I work with my own hands. They had, when I could have pulled rank. Because, you know, I'd be in a, I'm an apostle. I shouldn't be out there working. I'm just here to teach. But for this situation, being led by the Spirit, he went out there and worked. Didn't let his ego, didn't let his pride, didn't let none of that get in the way. Then he come back and said, now look, <laughs> we certainly had the right. Somebody say the right. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us. But we wanted to give you an example to follow. Wow. He says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now, the other King James says, okay, if you don't work, you know, some people don't kind of reach, uh, change the phrase around. But basically, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, just think about that. At first, I used to thought that was kind of a, a tough saying. But if you just study nature, every creature to survive is industrious. It's in us to be industrious. Lazy ain't supposed to be in us. Now look at this. Oh, wait, I'm gonna say, look. Now I thought that when you know grandmama and them said and granddad said, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat, I thought they got that verbatim like that out of the Bible and then alone, which some of it was. And then they tied this other thing to it, you know, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. And I said, man, that must be tied together with that scripture. But when I read that, I didn't see nothing about the idle mind being tied to the, you know, the devil's workshop. But I did Google it and find out that somebody did say that back in the 12th century. You know, the idle mind is, is tools for the devil to use, you know. And so what he said, look, man, when you sitting around and ain't got nothing to do, you open yourself up for the enemy to come and get inside your head. That's why if you ain't got nothing to do, meditate. 
Put, put your mind on some things that pertain to God. Brother Herb, go ahead. And anybody else that want to chime in right? Because I... In this scripture right here, um, I just want to just bring this out too. And it came out and mentioned about this. And we know that we have soup kitchen. We have, we give meals to people. And it says, you able to work. And we know some people that comes through the soup kitchen are able to work. And we, and the soup kitchen supports some of these individuals. What he says, if you're able to work, they should not be fed. Now, now what he says is those who are unwilling to work. There's a difference between it's, being... It's the difference. Yeah, unwilling. Meaning you done made up in your mind you willfully ain't going to work. Now, now, some people, look, let me give you an example. I know what you're saying with the I'm, soup kitchen, so you can get that, because he's going to come back and tell us to don't harden our hearts like that, so we stop giving our soup. But, but he said, because what he said there now, sometimes there are some people, because of their circumstances in our system, if you got a certain record, you can't get a job sometimes. I mean, and, and, and I think the system is set up that way. That, that a, a person went and did their time and they get out and they want to work, but then the minute they find out they've been an ex-con, sometimes they don't let them work. So he's willing to work, but sometimes people won't hire him. Now, but, but if he's unwilling, a, a guy who's able, I'm agreeing with you on that one. If someone is able and jobs available, hey, you need to, right now I see Hiring all over the place. Everybody hiring. Now, man, COVID done got a lot of people. They don't, they don't figure out they ain't got to work no more. So everybody hiring now. And so to me, it's different when Brother Herb is able to work, but because he know, hey, there's six soup kitchens around here, and every day I'm going to hit one of them. Now, Brother Herb is the guy that we should be dealing with. However, He's going to tell him here in a few minutes, you can't get weary doing good because somebody's going to take advantage of you. There's always going to be somebody who's going to game the system. But there are going to be some people who need the system. Now, that brings us to our current system here in America, unemployment, welfare. You know, when you see welfare, welfare is just another way of saying I am concerned about your well-being. And because I am, then now I'm going to augment or support you in some way because you need it. The problem is welfare get a bad name when people go out there and take advantage and don't want to go and look for the job. Used to be a time you had to go out and you know, find two or three referrals a week and say, show you went somewhere. Then now, you throw in food stamps and major 
you instead of getting groceries, you selling them. Now, Pastor Bold will have a problem with that. I mean, I ain't got no problem with you getting food stamps because I understand what government cheese is all about. I ain't got no problem with that. If you need it, I don't have no problem with the government taking care of their citizens. Because in the richest nation in the world, nobody should be hungry. And that's one of the things, I don't care what they call it, that I liked when I was in Germany over there. Man, if you're a German citizen, it's two things you're going to have. Education and Medicare. You can go to school however long you want to go, and you can always go to a doctor. But here in America, you don't have those rights, even though people pay taxes. That's why I believe everybody ought to be able to go to a good doctor. I just believe that. And, and so, and I believe everybody ought to get a good, be able to get a good education if they want one. But because we live in a, a system and a culture that probably ain't going to let that happen, that don't mean we shouldn't still be trying to make it happen for some people that want it. Man, we got our health care by way of the military. That's welfare. That's socialized medicine. Because you didn't get a chance to choose your doctor. They tell you this is your PMO or PMP, whatever they call them. PCM. I don't want him. Well, go to the same hospital, same place. Everybody sees the same doctor. And so it's good enough for the military. It ought to be good enough for somebody walking the street. We can do it, but our nation just don't want to do it. And maybe because they know that somebody's going to game the system and take advantage of it. And because of that, we shut our hearts up because of the ones and the twos of the thousand that's going to game the system. But I'm just on my soapbox now. This is my, you know. When COVID hit, there were some people that really gamed the system. Really, when all that money started flowing, there were some wealthy people who really gamed the system, pretending like they had a company with employees, and they got the check as if they had 20 or 30 employees, and ain't nobody working for them. They just, a, you know, one of them little, what they call them, them, them companies that's fake companies, I don't know, they got a name for them. They're just a paper company. On paper, they're a company. But in reality, ain't nobody working for them. Oh. And here's somebody else out there, major, who really needed it. Had to go through all the hoops, but couldn't get it. And so what I'm trying to say here, he said, now look, yeah, if, if, if the guy's unwilling to work, unwilling, meaning he's able. Now, since we deal with the homeless, I tell you what, I, I, I used to be kind of hard, too, but I've, in the, in the days when they used to come in, I used to go back there a lot. I used to sit down and talk to some of those guys. And I just, I had a bad understanding because I thought just because a person was homeless that, you know, they had to be a drug addict or alcoholic and all that. Man, some of them folk was highly educated, had good jobs, and had businesses. And now they have gotten accustomed to living on the land. And they, and they do it for their living. They hustle. 
No different from the person standing on the subway line with his hat in a cup. Every day playing a little guitar. They hustle. So they figure the logic is, hey, if I know I need $100 a day to live off of, if I stand on enough corners, I'm going to probably get there. I'm going to get there. So they do that. Now, and some of them got other issues, though. Some of them I talked to have mental issues. And because of those mental issues, they choose to live like that. Now, we was coming up with little boys. This thing of homelessness is, 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 is kind of open now, but we used to call the homeless guys hobos. If y'all, if some of y'all are too young, y'all don't even know what a hobo is. But when the train, track, tra the train used to run through the neighborhood, you see these guys on the train waving at you. And they just ride from city to city doing one day labor at a time. That's, that work may be the wrong time, but that's, that's how they choose to live. And because of that, they make a living that way. If you want to call it their work, then I would guess. Oh, major. Okay. So in their mind, and Brother Kevin, I want you to chime in. Anybody chime in? Because I, I don't have a textbook answer for that. In their mind, they may consider that work. So today, I didn't get my quota. So to, I'm going to walk in this restaurant and say, hey, man, I'll wash dishes for you. I'll wash your car today, whatever. Don't you get a meal for the day? Now, that ain't the way I would want to see someone live because I think God got something better for you. But some people make that choice. But so that's where it gets dicey here when he said if they are unwilling, meaning I gave them an opportunity to do something, but they chose not to work. They were unwilling. Sister Adrian, did you want to say something? Somebody hand over here? Yeah, me. Pastor, you was, you was talking about the, the medical for everyone. And you were saying that if TRICARE for Life can get it. But you see, you have to remember, those people TRICARE for Life, they went and sacrificed their life. And they, they, they not just their life, their family. Because a yeah. lot of these people come back here and don't have a home to live in, let alone medical. Yeah, and, and, and granted, I'm not saying, I don't, I don't have no problem but with the middle, I, military system, TRICARE. Yeah. I got TRICARE for life. I, I, I think that the government should allow insurance company to take your money, and then you still have to go to see a doctor and still come out with money while you walked in through the door. And when you reach home, you have your copay waiting on you at home. You can't be, it's better you keep your money under your mattress and when you get sick, you pay your money because <laughs> that making no sense. It really don't. I understand what you're saying. And, but from my, my point is that, I, you know, I just think that a basic need of a person in a nation like ours should be able to go I to a doctor, to man. I mean, I, I, just, I just don't understand that. I, I just can't wrap my mind around it when I know how rich this nation is and, and, and the means that we have. And, 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 and I guarantee you, if I would know where the taxes are, I wouldn't mind paying 10 more dollars or 100 more dollars a year, a month or in taxes, if I know it's going to get to major who really need a doctor. Mm -hmm. It's going to help him. But if it's going to get, you know, most people feel like they, you know, they're going to 
use it in the wrong way. It's not going to be used for what it was, you know, taken up for. But still, this nation can do it. But it's just because of we, we live in a capitalist society, and, and no one want to be labeled a socialist country. You know, and I don't know if Germany and England are those places, socialist nations or whatever, but I do know they citizens get the benefit. Now, they pay big taxes. Now, in Germany, when I was there, the Germans pay some serious taxes. But man, they roads look good for them fast cars, because they were driving over 100 miles an hour back then. And, 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 and they schools were good, and they medical system was good. But they, they was good enough that we used to send folks off the base to their doctors, so they, they had a good medical system. Costa Rica is a, is, a, is a country. It's not an island like a lot of people think. But yet still, when you get insurance from the government, you don't have to pay back anything, and we don't have no tax paying over there. Not income tax, not departure tax. Here, them take up tax or to check. When you go and buy your food, them take out some more. When you save up your money, them say, well, you know, you have to pay back some more of what you save on your own. So, you, and you still can't get nothing for free. <laughs> <laughs> and you pay for it. So now look this, let me get back to this, let me get back to this, that's a good conversation, good guy. He says, now look, he says, now, if they're unwilling to work, you know, they will not eat. Now, then he goes on to say, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and meddling in other people's business. Now you got two strikes. <laughs> you ain't working, and your mind is free, and now you got in everybody else's business. Everybody else business. This is church folk he's talking to. He ain't talking to the world. He's talking to church folk. He say, you meddling in other folks' business. Then he come back and gets strong in verse 12. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. Settle down and work to earn their own life. He, he commanded them. He said, in the name of Jesus. He had to bring Jesus into the picture. In the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus gets get used a lot of time in prayer. You know, in the name of, that, 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 put, that put force to it, put some weight to what you're saying. In the name of Jesus, we got to command these to, to settle down. Stop talking about folks. Stop getting in other folks' business and work to earn their own living. <laughs> now look, look at this, mate. This is for, for some of us who may get a little hard, think, you know, he says, and, the, and for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Because when you do good, there's going to be somebody else out there who's going to take advantage of your good. You know, I, that's why early on in the, when we started the food pantry and all that, you know, I always said, I heard somebody else say it ain't my saying, but I thought it. Whenever you do something for the needy, the greedy show up too. And if you get to focus in on the one or two greedies, you will lose sight of all the people that really need your help and support. Now, this is Pastor not saying let someone take advantage of you, you know, but the Lord laid on your heart to give somebody something 
then you're just being obedient to God. Now you ain't got to follow them and see if they're going to go to McDonald's with your money. I mean, you, the Lord told you to do something for the brother. Now you're going to go and check and then get mad because they did Well, look, you should have kept it. Because in reality, once you give someone a gift, it is no longer yours. And I see folks do that. I gave you that for crippling. You did what you did. Well, it was mine. So instead of taking it back to the store, I just gave it to somebody else. I spent all that time looking for that for you. You should have just asked me what I wanted. That's all. That's all. Don't, don't surprise me. That's why I tell my daughter, don't surprise me. Just ask me what I want. And then that way, you don't have to be offended when I take back your stuff because that ain't what I want. <laughs> Just ask me what I want. I, I'm not the surprise guy. Maybe you want to be surprised. I'll surprise you, and then we'll work that way. But sometimes, I remember, even with Lady Jeanette, man, I used to try to surprise her and go spend hours looking for something, and then it ain't the right color. And now I'm All that time. So later on in marriage, you know, I found that cash was good. Here it is. You go get whatever you want. And take as long as you want to buy. Because if I take two hours to buy it, and then you say it's the wrong thing, then now they're going to crush me. So for now, hey, I'm going to give you a Visa card or whatever card you want. And you go get whatever you want, spend as much as you want on it. That's all fine with me. But as for me, this is what I want for Christmas. Just give me this and I'll be happy. You ain't got to, don't try to, don't surprise me. Just get me that. Well, that take all the fun out of it. I don't want the fun. Just, just, just get me, get me what I, just get me fun. I don't know what's so hard about that. Now, I'm just simple. That's me. Now, everybody's not like that. Some people like to be simple. I'm just, I don't. So sometimes when, when you, make things clear and plain, then you don't have to be offended when you think that someone is taking advantage of you and then now they want you to shut your hands up. I ain't going to never do nothing else. Man, you know, I, I'm glad. I appreciate Brother Mac for this because I, when we first started the soup kitchen, I used to see people come out there uh, in, the, in the food line and they come by two, three times in a week. I said, man, look here, these guys taking advantage of the system. And he said, Pastor, the rule is as long as we open and it's not the same day, they can come back. But down there, Catholic Charities, they can't come but once every two weeks. We at least need to go at least once every two weeks and not let dude come back two times in the same. But he wouldn't bend on that. Because I was caught up on all the people that was gaming the system. Man, they, they come and get food. That dude driving a Mercedes. What are you doing in the food line? My focus was wrong. Because I was not, I'm ready to shut, the, shut it down, do a little better job of screening some of these folks. Because, it, again, he said, when you do for the needy, the greedy going to show up. And so you can't close your heart up because someone may take advantage of the system. That's the, that's the wrong approach 
And, 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 and so what we have to do is do what, he, what, what he's telling them to do. He said, look, never get tired of doing good. You know, he told the Galatians, let us not grow weary, weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. So it looked like it's easy to grow weary when you think somebody may be gaming the system. And so you change things to get two people, but then 98 people suffer. 98 people suffer. So he says, now look, he's still talking about your brothers here in verse 15. He says, don't think of them as enemies. See, that was me. They was enemies of the soup kitchen, of the food pantry. They were enemies because they don't be here two times, three times a week. They enemies. And he's saying, when it's our brothers and sisters, we should not see them as enemies. Because if we see them as the enemy, then now they become an adversary instead of part of the family. He says, don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. So you still have an obligation to talk to them and, 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 and about the situation, but when you talk to them, don't see them as your enemy. See them as your brother or your sister. And I thought it was strange that he had to write this to a church that he said was pretty good. But even in a pretty good church, you know, the enemy can get in there and get in people's heart. Any questions, any comments before we close up? Any comments? Okay, yes. I used to give away money in New York to people on the streets. And at one point, after seeing certain stuff, I just said that I didn't want to give people my, my hard-earned money. Until one day the Spirit said to me, it's not my business to decide what I'm going to give them or not. Just give them it and make God bless me for giving them it. And what they do with it, then God will deal with them. And that's the reason why I still give people now. Because at first I was upset. You used to have people dress up and pretend to be crippled. And it, my, 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 my father-in-law... My stepfather, a long time ago, they used to work at this place, and every payday, this guy used to come there and practically collect like he was from the mafia. And one day, they decided to gang him up in the sense of saying, we're not giving you anything. And this man turned around, cursed them out, and ran by the corner. And when they run behind just to see what he was doing, he jumped in a limousine and left. So when I heard that story, that makes me not want to give anybody. But like you say, when we don't give people, sometimes we end up not giving the right, the right person, you know, because that person might be really in need, and we choose not to give them because of what somebody else did. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and back in the day, you know, even here at Striving, you know, not long before we started doing the food thing, we used to do, um, help people with rent, you know, our medical bills, and we did it all. I mean, we kind of, anything that we could uh, do and had the time to do it. And, um, and uh, we had rules in place, you know, uh, if it was something serious like rent and stuff like that, 
you know, you could only come like once a year and we'll pay your rent and do stuff like that. And, uh, but after a couple of years, you find out, hey, some people know their date, man. Almost to the date, one year later, they show back up. You say, man, so we had to start keeping records. Okay, this is the same person, two years in a row, soon they meet that one year part. So, you know, we make adjustments. Talk, you, you know, when you know that somebody's willfully doing something, you make adjustments. But at the same time, we, we didn't stop trying to serve the community. And, and, and I'm glad we didn't do that. But uh, it, it can be tough when you're trying to help people and you, and you can't be sure of what they're going to do with, you know, what you give them, you know. Because most of the people that you're going to help probably do have some type of problem. You know, most of the people that come to our kitchen, they probably got some type of addictive behavior, you know, alcohol, probably some drugs, something like that. But that don't mean they, they don't need to eat, you know, and so. Major? So as a so as as a church for striving, how do you how do you deal with financial support? Whether whether someone's a member or is someone off the street, say they came in, and it wasn't necessarily the rent that they needed, but they they say they needed financial support. They just needed money for for whatever reason. How do you how do you kind of deal with those type things? Okay, good. That's a good question. Good, excellent question. That's kind of a a technical question. And, and, and one that the government come into play. The church has a right to do anything in the realm of benevolence. That's why you hear churches say we have a benevolent fund or benevolent offerings and all that. But the government tell you what benevolence is. So benevolence is that major needs something to sustain his life. Uh, like a, if your water get cut off, that's benevolence. Your lights get cut off, benevolence. Your, your food uh, go run out, that's benevolence. You need want to help with a medical bill. That's benevolent. But when you come to me and say, hey, I need my car insurance paid, that ain't benevolent. We'll tell you, no, nah, we can't help you with that, man. You, you, you know. Or my phone bill. Some people, when they come here, they, man, they got four or $500 phone bill. They want the church to pay the phone bill. Now, if they really need what, what we have done to help someone that we really know they just need some, some mismanaged money and stuff like that, but we said, okay, we can't pay your phone bill. We can't do that because if we pay your phone bill, the government don't see that as benevolent. But what we will do, we'll help you. We will make a payment towards your rent, and you take the rent money and pay your phone bill if you need that. Now, before we do that, you got to bring us a receipt saying you done paid the bill. And that. But that's when you, you try to help people that you think. We've even tried to have set up classes where people can come and be taught how to manage their money to help them get out of situations like that. Back in the day, um, with the church, because so I'm glad you asked that because some members don't know. We have an inter internal benevolence system where, for members, and then our outreach ministry take care of people who are not members. Okay, And so what used to happen Someone may join on Sunday, and then on Tuesday, they got a need. So now after that happened a couple of times, you figure the word's on the sky. The word get around. When something get out there, the word get around. And somebody else now will come and join next Sunday, and you see this pattern. Hey, all of a sudden I need some help with my rent. 
Okay. Somebody done told them, go to that church. They will do this, okay? So we got to do this, okay. Now, you got to be a member for at least three months. But in the meantime, we will send you over to our outreach ministry, Synergy, because that's what they do. They don't have that restriction. But the church, we ain't going to let you play us. We get played once or twice, but we learn quick. But we still try to help them by sending them over to Synergy. And the reason Synergy have funds to help people for the most part is because of you. 10% of everything y'all give on Sunday, right off the top, go to our outreach ministry to take care of the community. And we've been doing that ever since day one to support them in the community. So that's why we do that that way, because we don't want someone joining church on Sunday, then on Tuesday, they got a, a $2,000 rent bill that's due. They're two months behind in their rent. But now because there are the networks in the community, because again, when, when things start happening like that, the community now got a certain numbers that they can call where there's a network of agencies that can help. And so now we partner with a lot of other people to try to help take care of some of the needs in this community. Because every community have needs. And, and I do believe that the church ought to be in the community to assist the community as best they can. So he said, now when a brother comes, don't look at him as an enemy. And the last thing he do here is, I'm going to just read this real quick and let you go. He gives his final greeting to them. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. So, you know, God wants us to have peace in church. You ought to have peace. And he says he wants you to have peace at all times and in every situation. That means that even when you're going through your storm, he wants you to have peace. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. And so, therefore, God wants you to have peace. Peace is important. It's important for you to understand peace is a two-way thing. One, you want to have peace with others. But two, you want to have peace with you. You want to make sure that you have internal peace so that even if your external peace is frustrated by something going on in your life, you can still have a calm, tranquil, tranquil spirit in you that can keep you at peace so that you don't worry yourself to the point where people get to the point they feel like they're hopeless and they don't see no way out. They give up the peace leave, and then now they feel like the only thing I can do is take my own life. I don't think that's God's best for anybody. So therefore, we got to, the Bible talks about seek peace and pursue it. Peace can be very elusive, and if you don't pursue it, it ain't going to just happen. He tells us if you know, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. He didn't say it's the other person. He says you. So if you got anything to do with it, you got to say, man, I'm going to try my best to be at peace. Even though Major don't want peace, if, if we can't make peace, it won't be because of me. It's going to be because of Major. And so he was trying to say, hey, I'm praying that you have this peace all the time and the Lord be with you. And then this last piece here is just one of a few places in the, Paul, in, in the Bible where Paul ends his greeting like this by saying, here is my greeting in my own handwriting. And I had to go and look up that and say, why would he put that in there? Uh, because it is believed that a lot of the letters that Paul writ, wrote, someone, he dictated to somebody. They wrote the letter, he gave them the words, but this time he put it there like, hey, this is my own signature. And the reason maybe because if you remember early on, there was some question about whether or not someone had been giving them a bad letter. 
And so now he's saying, hey, it's like I'm going to sign this for myself with my own signature, put my own seal on it, so that when you get it, you'll know that this is coming from me and not someone else who has, you know, just created a letter and gave it to you. He said, in my own handwriting, Paul, I do this in all my letters to prove they are from me. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so again, Paul always ends his letters, you know, with encouragement and trying to encourage those churches that he founded, you know, to live in a certain way. Peace is always a part of it. God's grace is always a part of it. And those are the type of things I think as believers, we ought to want peace and we ought to want the grace of God flowing in our lives, you know, in all situations, you know. And, and those are the things that we have to believe God for and believe that we can have, that we can have. Any, any questions, any comments, any questions? That peace part, it don't count if you just cut people off. You don't want to deal with them no more. You can't do that. He said, as much as depend on you. So you got to pursue peace with that person. Even if, even if? If they don't want it, that ain't on you. Okay. But if you're sitting there and you're going to think for them, say, I know they ain't going to accept this, <laughs> this olive branch. I'm, try, I'm trying to hand the olive branch to him. He ain't going to take it. So I'm, I'm just going to leave him alone. No. <laughs> you got to extend the branch, and then if he don't take it, then it's all for you. Amen. Any, any questions, any other comments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, you know, kind of to speak on the love that we got from God, you know. I feel like the, one of the problems in the church is we're not really telling anybody, you know, out in the streets about the Lord and the love that he has for us, you know. Because sometimes I go out and I tell the people, you know, no matter how far you got away from God, his arms, his arms are still wide open for you. You know, I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of love towards somebody out in the streets, you know, not spreading the love not just here in church, but out there, you know, just telling somebody, you know. You know, we don't got to full on give them a, a sermon on, you know, a, a Bible verse or something. But we just say, hey, Jesus loves you, you know. You know, give them a prayer, you know, you know, pray for them right there on the spot. You know, I feel like I, 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 I've been to a couple churches around and I feel like that's what they lack, you know. Not, not, not so much love for everybody. You know, just love for inside the church, but not really love outside for the world. You know what I'm saying? Amen. You know, because we, we, got, we, got, we got like this, this love from God. You know, we got, we got to spread it. You know Amen. I mean? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the comments. Amen. You, you know, sometimes, Pastor, some people you cut loose, and you have a peace about cutting them loose. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, because, because some people just just bring you down. So, so you have a peace about leaving them alone. Some people you, you let go, and, and God, you don't have a peace about doing it. But there are people sometimes I think that you meet that you have a peace about. Okay. You know, it's time for me to cut them loose. And you, I mean, it don't. I think the Holy Spirit will convict you if it wasn't time for you to cut them loose. But but I think the Holy Spirit ought to tell them you ought to tell them why you cutting them loose. Well, yeah, I, I guess it depends on who, who it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but if somebody that you have been friends with, you're supposed to tell them, hey, because how we tell them? Because they may want to get it right. Treat them like a brother. So you go, hey, brother. Well, maybe you should warn them first, and then if they don't accept the warning, then say, okay, I told you, now I'm cutting you loose. Okay. <laughs> That's another subject for you. But, but Mother Herb, did you got something real quick? Oh, God. Well, the biggest thing in what I'm saying is about when you have the Lord within your heart, and we talk about prayer. 
you know, the better uh, person that, that showed us, and that was Jesus Christ himself. He said, I'm doing my father's business. I'm doing my father's business. He got his tasking. And when he went in prayer, God, the father spoke to him. He said, I ain't doing this on my own. So when you won't have peace, then I mean, go to God. I mean, you talk to him and say, hey, I need to get peace on, on this individual. I truly think God will give you a guidance to say, okay, this is how you handle this. I, I believe he'll give you that. We, but we don't do that. We do it on our own. When we do it on our own, then we, we get weary. Amen. Amen. All right. Any other comments before we go? <laughs> Pastor, he said, if at all possible. If at live, all possible. If at all possible. Yeah. Live peacefully with live all peacefully men. with all men. I mean that it's going to be some times where it may not be possible. It doesn't mean that you don't try or that you don't put forth the effort. You just need to know that that person may not receive you trying to be at peace with them. Amen. Amen. But, but if we're pursuing, try. at what point do you, what point do you cut, it, cut it loose? Like, like Fred said, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit say, no, you need, you need to cut, the, cut them loose. Well, I mean, if, if you sense that the Spirit of God is speaking to you, then I think the Spirit of God knows what he's doing. So you got to trust him. That's why it's important to have the go back to what Brother Herb said, that relationship. So, if the, you know, if, if the Spirit say, hey, it's time for you to tell this brother what the deal is and then let him know this is why you're breaking ties with him. You're going to break fellowship with him. Let him know you ain't, you ain't golfing. You ain't going to be a part of the foursome no more. So, so, but do you stop pursuing that peace? That's on you. Oh. I mean, because he tell us to pursue peace. And then, right. he, as, and like Adrian just read, as much as it depends on you, you, you got to extend it, but you can't make someone be at peace with you. Right. But you got to at least do your part. Amen. That's but all some, God is expecting. Pastor, sometimes I think the Lord tried to separate some people away from us, right. but we keep trying to hold on to that problem instead of letting it go and let the Lord deal with it. That's why I'm telling you, he will fight your battles. Leave the person and decide if they're supposed to come back in your life. The Lord would allow it peacefully. You shouldn't have to force it. Amen. Amen. Good points. Good points. All right. Let us all please. Oh, I got some announcements. So while you're standing, let me read these announcements before Major.